21-31 But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law. No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thanks, Elaine, for reading that. And just to explain again, we're uh, we're doing these three weeks on topical ones, so we're not uh, going through readings like our normal uh, business here at St Stephen's, but we're thinking of topics from the whole Scriptures. And uh, as we've already heard from the interviews this morning, we're thinking of this issue of identity this morning. So let me pray and then we'll um, uh, we'll start to think about it. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would uh, be with each of us now by your Spirit as we consider this important topic. And it will affect each of us differently. For some of us, we may not spend much time thinking about ourselves. For some of us, we may be locked into thinking about ourselves so often. Uh, And for some of us, that may be a a pleasant experience. For some of us, it's awful. Uh, And so, Lord, as someone that knows each of us intimately, that knows our hearts and mind and lives, uh, we pray that uh, you would work within each of us individually this morning as well as collectively so that we may come to a, a, a better understanding of who we are as we better understand who you are and what you've done for us. And I pray that this may make for healthier lives and lives able to praise you more and thank you more and live for you more. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Who am I? It's a question that at once is so easy, uh, so easy to answer, so easy to think about, so easy to speak about, and yet on another level so profoundly difficult. Who am I? How do you you answer that question? Not who am I, who are you? And of course it changes in different contexts, doesn't it? When you fill in a a job interview sheet, they want certain facts about who you are and what you've done, but when you're sharing with a trusted friend or loved one, you would say much different things about yourself. Many of us can feel quite anxious about who we are or who we're not. Some of us like ourselves, some of us don't like ourselves. Some of us feel very different from others and that worries us. Some of us feel too much the same as others and we want to be different. Identity can be the cause of real difficulty for people in their lives and it can change over time. 
Uh, perhaps the music group Supertramp, if you remember Supertramp, Echoes Your Feelings, when if you know their, their biggest hit, the logical song, they sang these words, Won't you please, please tell me what we've learned? I know it sounds absurd, but please tell me who I am. Please tell me who I am. There's a sense there almost of desperation that I'm sure that most of us have felt at some stages in our lives, please tell me who I am. Or perhaps the words of the, uh, the Verve's biggest hit, Bittersweet Symphony sums you up. It's hard to understand the lyrics of that song, but uh, these ones I do know. I'm a million different people from one day to the next. I'm a million different people from one day to the next. Who am I? Then later in the song he actually sings, but I'm a million different people. I need to hear some sounds that recognise the pain in me. Not only do we want to know who we are, we desperately want others to know who we are, to be known, to be understood. The whole issue of identity can be a confusing one and a difficult one. Who am I? And today the focus on self, I think, brings pressures and difficulties that it hasn't always down through the ages. We have a focus on self and individualism today that hasn't always been around And we forget that because we live in the now and we're conditioned by what's around us. But 200 years ago, in most places in the world, it didn't really matter who you were because you were born into a certain place, into a certain family, into a certain job, into a certain future and it wasn't going to change too much. Today we've got all the options in the world and so the question is actually harder. And our world recognises that and keeps telling you, you've got to know who you are, you've got to find yourself, you've got to be true to yourself. We live in the age, as I said last week, the age of the selfie, the age of the self-discovery, the age of self-fulfilment. It hasn't always been that way but it is today and so the pressure is even more. Who are you? How do we answer it? I think, I could be wrong and I'm sure we all answer it in different ways, but I think we often answer this question badly because we nearly always seek to answer it in simple ways with labels that kind of cover everything when actually the truth is so much more complex. And it's more complex because it's not just certain labels. We like parts of ourselves and we're disappointed in other parts. We meet our expectations of ourselves in some areas, whether they're high expectations or low expectations, we meet them. But in other areas of our life, we don't meet our expectations of ourselves. And so it's complicated how we view ourselves and what our identity is. Then there's the expectations of others, the expectations of our parents upon us, the expectations of our loved ones upon us, our friends upon us the expectations of the world upon us. I don't often think about that last one, but that's a strong voice. The world's got a strong voice today on who you should be and who you shouldn't be. And the world today screams, uh, you can be whoever you want to be. Just by the way, no, you can't be whoever you want to be. The world says that and it's a terrible message to give because it sets people up for failure. The voice that keeps saying, you can be whatever you want to be, if you don't, be whatever you want to be and the, the, the failure that you, you haven't lived up to that expectation or hope or dream makes you feel second class or worthless and uh, not valuable. The message today of you can be anything you want to be is nonsense. And um, I know what they're trying to say but if you're a parent or teacher out there today, please don't tell your children or pupils they can be anything they want. They can't. I would have loved to have won the 100 metre gold medal uh, at the Olympics or be Batman. And I couldn't do Batman, but the one that I possibly could of, 100 metre, I couldn't do. And it's not because I didn't dream high enough when I was a child. It's not just because of my terrible genetics 
Hello, Dad, I didn't know you were going to be here today. <clears throat> it's not because I didn't you know, train enough or eat my vitamins or say my prayers enough. I could have done everything humanly possible and I would never have been the 100 metre champion in the Olympics. Some of us can't do music. Some of us can't lead groups. Some of us will never be models. Some of us aren't clever enough to do certain jobs. Some of us aren't good with words. And we may be able to get better and improve and we want to encourage our youngsters in that kind of thing, but we'll never get past certain levels and and that's totally okay. It's okay that we can't be anything that we want to be. The pressure from the world there kind of muddies the waters in the area of identity. So how do we view ourselves? How do we think of ourselves? I think we tend to think of ourselves in terms of things we value and therefore we judge ourselves accordingly and we're all different in the things that we value. So some of us value very highly relationships and so we identify ourselves within our relationships. I'm a husband or a wife. I'm a son or a daughter. I'm a mum. Sarah was talking about this morning, or dad, I'm a brother or sister, a grandparent or friend. And we think of ourselves hugely in that kind of relational way. And that's a big part of who we are. Some of us identify ourselves with physical aspects of who we are. I'm tall, I'm short, I'm fit, I'm fat, I'm young, I'm old, I've got good hair, I'm balding, I'm blonde, I'm ginger. I look good in togs, I look terrible in togs, I'm ridiculously good looking, I'm not, all these sorts of things. Some of us put a lot of stock in material things. I've got money, I don't. And again, that's not necessarily, some of us pride ourselves on being poor, it's not not that one's always seen as good and the other. Uh, I've got a, um, a classic car, I've got a family car, I've got an iPhone, I've got a Samsung, I don't know what those two things mean but people have them. We could go on and I wear designer clothes, I wear casual clothes and I wear it as a badge of honour. You could go on. For some people it's more to do with what they do, how they spend their time, the roles that they have. We find our identity in what we do with our time and talents. I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mum, I'm a nurse, I'm a volunteer, I'm a youth group leader, I'm a politician, I'm with the police, I'm a musician. I'm a poet, an athlete, an author and our identity becomes tied up with the roles that we have. For others, it's personality traits that we really value and we want to embody and live out or we get disappointed when we don't. I'm blunt, I'm shy, I'm stubborn, persistent, lazy, motivated, extrovert, introvert, ENTJ, or ISFP or whatever those things, loyal, honest, weak, I'm funny, I'm cowardly, I'm driven, I'm brave, I'm thoughtful, I'm generous, I'm vegetarian, (laughs) I'm a bacon lover. We could go on, we've got different things, do you see, that we value and we think of ourselves in the light of these things. But it's not as easy as that because there's added complications and problems when you try and sum yourself up by the things that you value. One one added complication is we're not always good um, at making accurate judgments about ourselves. So I might like to think that I'm thoughtful and brave but if you spoke to my wife or children they'd tell you something very different. Or sometimes we're too hard on ourselves 
and I think I'm lazy and undisciplined, but actually everyone around me is uh, actually inspired by the way that I carry on and, and do those sorts of things. So we don't always have accurate judgments about ourselves. Uh, all of this means that our identity, who we are, is very tricky to sum up. We value different things. We've got accurate and non-accurate assessments of ourselves in different areas. We sometimes feel great about ourselves because we're good in the things that we value and other times we feel awful about ourselves because we're going terribly in the things that we value. And and that particular one is very important to understand. If the thing that I value kind of most and my identity is most tied up in is relationships, then that can bring great pleasure or great pain. I may be uh, on top of the world because I'm married to someone that I really love and our marriage is blossoming and blooming. Or I may be totally depressed because I've been a mum for so many years and my children have now left. Or my loved one has died and there, there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel anymore and everything's changed. You see the difference? If you, if you find your value in something, it can bring good things or bad things. I may be enjoying the single life and the freedoms and the opportunities that it affords and the extra time and, or I may be so lonely wondering why I'm not married and fearing that maybe I'll be alone for the rest of my life. I may be on top of the world because all the training's paid off and I'm now a teacher who can make a difference in children's lives or I may feel down and think, is there anything else other than working in a milk factory or muffin break? or wherever else it may be. I may uh, know I'm motivated and industrious and kind of feel good about that, or I may hate myself because I'm easily led and I make the same mistakes again and again and again. And so you see we feel confident and content in some areas and we feel despondent and disappointed in others. And some of us are way up on one end of the spectrum and others of us are way down on the other end of the spectrum. Some of us have such a high view of ourselves because we we tick the boxes of the things that we value. We're perhaps bordering on arrogance or overconfidence. Some of us wish we could be anyone else and we hate even looking at ourselves in the mirror. But then there's even more complications when we're trying to work out who we are and our identity. Another complication is that the things that we find comfort and confidence in at one point of time may change instantly sometimes at another time. And that loss or change can really shake us and our view of ourselves. In fact, that can be one of the most painful aspects of life or difficult aspects of life to cope with. When you've found huge significance and blessing uh, as a person in relationship and you lose it, there's few things as painful or as hard. When you've always been able to bank on being athletic and attractive, ageing can be so difficult. When you've had a job or a role that you've loved and it, uh, and it gives you um, significance and uh, you, you just love it and it changes or it substantially goes, these are the things that can cause problems in us and with us. There's a reason midlife crisis happens to many people. Often it becomes there's a realisation of what we're not or never going to be. We thought we might at one stage and it's suddenly we've realised it's not. And so in this world, even the things we're pleased about in ourselves or content with can change. They can be lost or ripped from us and therefore our identity has changed. And what happens is our identity in so many different areas at all the different times of life are up and down and round and round and all over the place. And we go in life up and down and round and round like socks in a washing machine. Do you see the issues? Who am I? 
Not an easy answer to give. And yet we've got the world saying you need to find yourself but we're hard to find. And then once we've found ourselves we don't always like what we find or then it doesn't actually stay that's who we are because it changes over time as the circumstances and things around us change. And meantime the world is telling us we can be whatever we want to be, we've got to be true to ourselves, we've got personal expectations of what we want from us, we've got other people who've got expectations of what they want from us and we've got the world telling us what they want from us. Do you see how hard the issue of identity is? Who am I? As young children we think, well I know I don't know who I am but adults do. And then we get to that age when we go, well I think I am an adult now and I still don't know. When does, when does it happen where you, you suddenly, then we get older and realise the same insecurities remain, the same questions and doubts and struggles and it's always changing. Who am I? Well this morning I'm going to answer that perfectly for each one of you. Um, you, you just can't, can you, on something this big and it's so it's silly to think that we can say too much on this but all I want to do this morning is give three very quick objective categories that I'm convinced are necessary and essential for a right, healthy, true view of self in the sight of the Lord. And the three hold together. They, they form a balance and a cohesion that's necessary for life. The sad thing is we're not gonna, we don't have time to go into each of them deeply, but I hope you'll see the weight of them, the importance of them and the implications of them for your life and my life as we carry on. And the three are very basic. The three are unsurprising. The three all came up in the interviews this morning without me talking to any of the interviewees about what they were going to say. But they're true. So don't think that they're silly just because they're simple. They're incredible facts. Three things about who you are. Three things to hold on to about who you are. And the first is you're made in the image of God. Sarah said, talking about raising children, image bearers. You are made in the image of God. In other words, what does that mean? That means that you are more valuable and precious than you probably realise. You are not just carbon and water and atoms. You are made in the image of the one true God. You are not the same as other forms of life on this planet. You are way more significant and important. And as well as a body, as incredible as the body is, you've got a heart and a soul and a conscience. You've got a personality. You have a dignity and a worth that is hard to imagine or overstate. God has breathed life into human beings in a way that's not replicated in anything else in creation. And more than that, he hasn't just done that generally in all of us as human beings. He's made each of us uniquely. He's given you things that are unique to you. He's given me things that are unique. We are distinct, unlike any other. So firstly, you are made in the image of God. You are more important and more valuable than you probably realise. That's the first thing to hold on to. You're made in the image of God. Secondly, you're a sinner. Here's the flip side. If sometimes you need to be reminded that you are better and more important and more valuable than you are, the flip side is we also need to be reminded sometimes that we're not what we could be or should be. We're all sinful. We're not as good as we would want from ourselves or as the Lord demands from us. And I want to point out, there's a saying, God made you and he doesn't make mistakes. And I know what they're getting at there, but then you can kind of think, well, everything about me is fine then. He made me and he doesn't make mistakes. No, no, that's not the full truth. 
There are aspects of ourselves that are good and a blessing and come from the hand of the Lord and they're to be rejoiced in and there are aspects of ourselves that are from our fallen nature and from the fallen world around us and they are to be turned away from and shut down and repressed because they're part of us being sinners in a fallen world. We're not what we were supposed to be. When the world says be true to yourself, only on some things. We have hearts that go astray. We have wills that give in. We have personality traits that are ungodly. It's good and helpful to know that. And one of the wonderful truths about this um, uh, that you know as Christians is we're all in the same boat here. It's not like we come in and go, oh, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one who struggles and who wrestles and who's a sinner. No, 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 look around. We're all in the same boat. And the great thing about our Anglican services, we've already acknowledged that together as we confess together. We're all the same and so we're not as good as we might hope. You are a sinner. Those two truths, you see the balance they bring? They're both necessary. You may need to hold on to one at certain parts of your life uh, and then at other times hold on to the other. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves we're more important than we think. We're more loved and valued uh, than we imagine. Other times we need to be reminded we need someone else because we're not as good as we think. Those two truths, though, are there for everyone. They're objective. You're made in the image of God and you're a sinner. The third one's slightly different because it's not true for everyone, but it can be true for everyone. It's on offer for everyone. But this is the one that makes all the difference in the world. The last thing is you are in Christ if you're a Christian. You're made in the image of God. You're a sinner. The third one is you're in Christ if you're a Christian. What do I mean by in Christ? I've used that, that, that phrase deliberately. The Apostle Paul uses that phrase in Christ more than anything else in the New Testament. He uses it 164 times to describe what Christians are. And what it means is that if we trust in Jesus and what he's done for us, if we have faith in him and follow him, there's a sense that we are in him. We come under him. He covers us. And that's where you want to be. Imagine if you had Superman covering you. He had his arm around you. You'd feel bulletproof because he literally is bulletproof. You'd feel like nothing else could get you or that's where you are. Friends, you don't have to worry, think about it in terms of Superman. You're in Christ. He covers you. And that means that things like his death on the cross and resurrection are not just events that happened in history. They are true for you. You are part of them. The forgiveness won on the cross, the new life given, the gift of the Spirit, the righteousness that our reading spoken of, the new righteousness that's available in Christ, these become ours because we're in Christ. He covers us. Every blessing of Jesus is ours. Now have a think about what that, you may be familiar with those kind of phrases, but stop for a moment and think about what that means. It means that if, Jesus, if you're in Jesus, you're forgiven. So you don't have to worry about you being a sinner anymore, you're forgiven. It means you've got, you're never alone because God the Spirit is always in you and with you. It means you've got a certain guaranteed future. We may have a lot of uncertainties in this world, but something is guaranteed and assured. It means that you are known and loved perfectly and those things will never be lost. All of them are yours in Christ. Without Christ, you can never have those things. Which is why if you're here this morning and you're not trusting Jesus, Come and see me afterwards. 
because, so that we can chat because you need him, you need this. But for those of us who do, therefore, this makes all the difference. Your identity primarily is not now male or female, young or old, student or unemployed, honest, blunt. You're in Christ, perfectly loved, perfectly known, perfectly forgiven, perfectly assured for the future. You've got the righteousness of Christ credited to you. You've got God himself within you, working within you. You've got a sure future to look forward to. He knows you perfectly, understands you perfectly, loves you completely and that's unchanging. As I said before in the world, everything else with your identity can change or be taken from you or lost. That can't. You can't lose it. You can't break it. It prevails. It remains. It's yours. You're in Christ. And unlike those other things where some of us value them this much and some of us value them this much and it's kind of all subjective, Christ isn't. It's objective uh, in terms of its value. Priceless, eternal. It doesn't go up and down. It isn't more important in some times of life and less important. It's always that you're in the Son of God and there's no other place you want to be. Unlike everything else in this world, that never perishes, spoils or fades. Again, do you see the difference this makes? It means because you're perfectly forgiven that God is never angry with you. But some Christians struggle with this concept and kind of think, well, God loves me more when I do good and less when I do bad. It's all been dealt with on the cross. You are perfectly forgiven, perfectly loved, it's, it's total, it's done. It means that you are never alone at your lowest point when you feel like no one else understands you or gets you or knows what you're going through, there is someone and he's not abstract and out there, he's within you. You're never alone. It means that even when nothing else is assured and you're at that point where everything's gone wrong and what can I be sure of in common? You can be sure of one thing, the future, where you're going and what it will be like. That changes everything when you know that about yourself. Our identity is, do you see, you're made in the image of God. You are a sinner and most importantly, if you trust in Jesus, you're in Christ and nothing else is the same when you see yourself that way. Those other things don't stop being part of you. Of course they do and we still value some and don't value others and they change over time but they don't ultimately define us in the same way and therefore we can cope whether we're meeting our expectations or failing them, whether we've got them or whether we've lost them, whether it's changed over time or anything else because these other three things don't change. It allows for failure. It allows for weakness. But it's not the last word because we're in Christ. Do you see the difference that makes? And of course that doesn't just change the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see other people as well. When you know those three things about yourself, you're made in the image of God, you're a sinner uh, and you're in Christ, that changes the way you treat other people. Hard to look down on other people when you know that you're a sinner. Hard to always be seeking someone else's approval when you know that they're a sinner. Uh, it will change the way that you, you do it. The main category we've got is that we're in Christ. I hope you can see how revolutionary it is. If we get carried away with ourselves, we're humbled when we see the Lord Jesus. When we're low and desperate and at our wit's end, the reverse is true. We look to the Lord and know we're in Christ and we know how cherished and valued and loved we are beyond anything we can imagine. 
Uh, The other things we spoke of at the beginning that we all value, some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are neutral, they will continue to be part of us. But underneath them, forming our core identity, will be this unchanging objective truth. We're made in God's image. We are sinners, but we're in Christ. And if we know that, that will make all the difference in the world. I worry about the world's obsession with self today. And I think we're called to have too much self-reflection and too much introspection. I think it's unhealthy because we end up all over the place and we we either become narcissists or depressed or... Friends, when the world says, go and find yourself, better to tell them, no, I've been found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's so much better and more crucial than finding yourself. And when you're tempted to say, who am I, in in, in your heart and and you're worried about it, know in your head the great thing is that the great I am knows who I am. Supertramp said, who am I? Please tell me who I am. Well, this is who you are. Made in the image of God, a sinner, but in Christ. The verb, I'm a million different people from one day to the next. That's true and we'll go through it, but underneath it, I'm made in the image of God. I'm a sinner and I'm in Christ. In the end, we're all different. We're all in a minority of one. No one's the same as you and therefore no one perfectly knows you and understands you except the one who made you and saved you. We're all different, but as Christians, we have three core principles in our identity that make all the difference in the world. Made in the image of God, a sinner and in Christ. That's who I am. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, think on some of these things. But they're big things and they, as I said, prayed at the beginning, they affect each of us differently. I pray that as we continue to reflect on them and maybe talk about them afterwards, that by your spirit you may bring us to a deeper understanding of who we are as you see us, not as how the world sees us or as we want to see ourselves, and that ultimately we see the wonderful privilege and benefit of being in Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.